today we continue a digital series where we, the leaders and teachers uh, of Dunwoody Baptist Church, try to tackle certain tough questions that believers and skeptics alike might have regarding the Christian faith. I'm Gary McIntyre. I get to be your host. Some of the topics we discuss over the duration of this series might be more curious to some, while others might be what it might be what's hindering them from taking a step of faith towards Christ, or maybe even have caused some to just leave their faith altogether. The purpose of our series is to address those questions and concerns for those who might have them. In today's episode, I'm joined by DBC's worship pastor, Robert Como, and children's pastor, Bridget Pogue, and together we're going to discuss the question, are science and faith compatible? As much as I'd like to get into the question of whether or not, you know, how old is the earth? Is it seven days old? Was it a literal seven days? Those kind of things. I really want to save that for a much fuller discussion at a later time, uh, though it might come up naturally in the course of our conversation. Uh, I will give you a spoiler alert. I do believe that the Bible throughout all of its pages supports a literal seven days, and I think science backs that up. That's a tease for another conversation at another time. Uh, so I want to start with Bridget and bring Robert in as he can. Uh, Bridget, I know from my own experiences working with children and students over many years uh, that children and student ministry is where the battle lines are. Uh, how, how have you observed that? Can you, can you speak to that at all? The battle lines with science? Well, with the, <laughs> the kids, it's a fair question. Yeah. Uh, because I remember, you know, when I was in school, my elementary school teacher would read the Bible to me and stuff. Even though I don't think he was even allowed then, I remember having Bible stories read to me, uh, and that's just totally been wiped away. You don't see yeah. that anymore. And you can, in my opinion, you can trace the different cultural changes and societal values that have changed uh, over time, almost trace it back to a point in time when it said, no, you can't, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm just wondering, do you see a battle or a compatibility issue with science and faith? Does that come up in your area at all? Yeah, I mean, I would say exactly what you were just saying. Like, culturally, we definitely are seeing those battle lines for our kids. I mean, schools are now teaching things <laughs> within them to our kids that we would never ever have thought when we were going through school that they would be teaching and what's available to them and not available to them, the literature they're having to read, um, prayers no longer in, in public schools, you know, Pledge of Allegiance isn't in a school, you know, the, the basics that we had just growing up are no longer there. So I would agree with you in what you're saying that if we were to look back, we could probably find some correlation to how things have changed but definitely it's a battle line. Well, science all of a sudden, it seems like, I say all of a sudden, like this is a recent thing. I mean, I've been seeing this develop for a long time. The idea that science, in essence, has become its own religion, uh, mm. where one, there's certain things that you have to have faith in to believe, uh, even from a scientific standpoint, if they try to say one thing, it's like, well, how can you prove that? Well, we can't really prove that. It's just what we believe. Well, that's, that's an aspect of religion. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like we, they're saying you're not allowed to have religion taught in school, yet I, I think there's this religion of humanism that's pretty much Certainly. become pervasive in our whole culture, mm -hmm. and that's the religion that's being taught in our schools today. Uh, yeah. It's like uh, science has been co-opted by those who have no allowance for there to be a God, and there'll be even those who tell you that 
there is no scientist of any worthy stature that would just say that they believe in God. And I'm about to produce a list of people yeah, that's who not have, true. Yeah. Uh, not, not even close at all. Uh, I'm wondering, I mean, what do you say to someone who says that religion shouldn't be allowed to be taught in school, but then all of a sudden they, they throw all this other stuff out there and it's like, but that's, that's just as invalid. Well, I think, you know, we, we need to talk about what science is. You know, I mean, science, you're, you're obviously trying to prove something. So you have to test, you have to test it. You have to do an experiment on something and then you're trying to prove it. Right. So we can test our faith in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, you can test your faith. People experiment with faith at times. Um, can we prove faith? No. Those of us who have a, a, a biblical background where we are in church and we understand who Christ is, like we have this knowledge of what faith is that doesn't have to be proven. Like we don't, we don't have to prove it because it's just a trust and a confidence, like Hebrews 11 says, you know, it's that trust and confidence in who he is. But I think for, for people that are in the scientific world, they need to understand like the things that they're studying were created by God. I mean, it's like the, the universe and the galaxies, the stars, like they've not even touched the surface, not even touched the surface of how many galaxies they are because they, they can't. Like only God has that knowledge. He is the creator of everything they're studying. The human body. I mean, there's so many intricacies within the human body that we as believers know there's just a mystery of stuff that we just don't have the answers to. It just is what it is. But we have faith and knowledge in who created us, right? Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a correlation. I think where the separation happens is they don't really believe that God is the creator of all living things. And so that's where the separation happens. So I think you hit on a good point, except I would... I would actually say it this way. A lot of scientists don't want to believe because yeah. there's consequences in believing. Uh, mm-hmm. If all of a sudden I have to throw out there and be- and believe in the possibility of there being a creator God, uh, a personable, knowable creator God, then there's all, all of a sudden there's consequences. And I have to decide, all right, what am I going to do with that? Yeah. But if I can just decide uh, there there is no God, then all of that has been taken away. Yeah. And and that I think is primarily the, the, one of the reasons God was sub, you know quote taken out of school back in what the 1960s uh, because people did not want to have that level of accountability mm-hmm. especially in that era when anything goes do anything that you want yeah uh, so and I think now we're we're seeing the the long term consequences of those decisions that were made. Back then, uh, a lot of scientists will say, or a lot of skeptics will say, have you ever heard the expression, the science is settled on a particular matter? They'll say that. They'll say the science is settled, which means, no, this is the final word on that, hmm. which flies directly in the face of what science is. Because science, right. science is always questioning. It's always <laughs> yeah. asking, all right, we right. believe this, then what's the next thing? Yeah. Uh, I th- and we, you, you touched on something uh, a few minutes ago that reminded me there's really two kind of sciences anyway. There's observational science, which is what you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. It's those things that are measurable and reproducible and observable. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the th- the experiments that you did in chemistry and physics and stuff like that. Uh, if you throw a ball up in the air pretty much 10 times out of 10, it's going to come right back down. Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's historical science, which is those things where, uh, I mean, you get into geology and stuff where there was no first time observer, where you can't see mm-hmm. what was going on. Yeah. And that's where faith comes in, at least uh, the way I see it is when you look at the Bible, you have an eyewitness, God, saying, this is what happened, this is how I did it, this is why. Yeah, uh, that's good. So, and I know I just went on a big, long thing No, there. I like it. I'm yeah. interested to know your, your scientists that you had a list for. Well, thank you for setting me up for that, because <laughs> I was sitting here looking at this list going like, how am I going to bridge that gap? Because I think I, I, I walked myself off there the you path, go. so thanks, yeah. for, thanks for pulling it back. Uh, so, for instance, uh, astronomer Johannes Kepler, early 1600s, uh, he said that he believed that God exists and that he had created a perfect universe and that we cannot understand it without studying it, which goes exactly into what you were saying a minute Mm -hmm. ago. Uh, Robert Boyle, one of the fathers of modern chemistry, he lived in the 1600s. He said God would not have made the universe as it is unless he intended us to understand it. Uh, every all this mon- the 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 modern science that we have today that that flowed from those early, you know, you say fathers of modern science is what, what whatever that looks like. Theirs was always about finding the God of nature and and, and exploring that in order to know God better. Uh, I'm looking at Francis Collins, the lead science in the Human Genome Project, and I think he's actually still alive. He was a former atheist who converted to Christianity, a large part of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, He said that one of the greatest tragedies of our time is this impression that uh, has been created that science and religion have to be at war. And finally, I'm, I, I lead with Werner, Werner Heisenberg, the father of quantum mechanics. That. I mean, he died in 1970. So these are modern people now who are, these are scientists. Yeah. And, and, and this guy said, the first gulp from the glass of natural sciences will turn you into an atheist. But at the bottom of the glass, God is waiting for you. Ooh. But that's oh, not even my favorite good. quote. Wow. Yeah. Well, my favorite quote comes at the, uh, at the end. Uh, Many would suggest that science is incompatible with faith. That's what that's what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would suggest that no reasonable science believes in God. You, you, what you have is just scientists after scientists after science. Even today, they'll say, no, that's not what it believes. But are you familiar with Ben Stein? Y'all know Ben Stein? Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of my favorite game shows ever was Win Ben Stein's Money. You familiar mm-hmm. with it? Uh, this was a great show that. because basically... His paycheck was up for wager the whole time. So he would be in a booth and he'd answer all these questions. And a, another contestant would be in a booth and they would answer the questions. And he had to answer more questions, the same questions. He had to get more answers right than the others. And if he did it, they won his money. Oh, and whatever was left over at the end of the season is, is what he got pressure. to take home. <laughs> and it was a fascinating show. Uh, well, he did this documentary called Expel. And it, it's a oh. fascinating documentary where he's interviewing all these college professors and stuff and scientists who lost tenured positions and stuff because they even dared to bring up the idea of not just God, but just an intelligent design, uh, which basically intelligent design is just, you know, it's like God, but without a name. Well, you can't know the intelligent designer. The Bible reveals God to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, and they lost their positions just because they didn't dare to bring it up. Because, well, it wasn't scientific. And and I'd show that to my youth group every once in a while. And so 
at one time, it just reminds me, at one time, our colleges and universities, I mean, they were supposed to be forums of conversation and stuff where you could at least have the discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's not even allowed anymore. Now, now yeah. you try to bring up something, you're canceled. Uh, it's just yeah, like... I think that's one of the real challenges that we have today is right. there's not a place mm-hmm. for that dialogue. And actually, that's really the foundations of philosophy, of education, go back to the dialectic method in Greece and having good critical conversation about subjects on which you disagree. It's healthy. It's good. It's good to talk to people who have different backgrounds and different understandings and beliefs. You need to know why you believe what you believe. Right. Absolutely. And so being around other people who are different than that help you in that. It's not that we need to be fearful. They're going to like switch us over. You know, you just you need to know what you believe so that you can you can talk and speak on it. Well, that's the foundations of debate is being able to debate either side of the argument. You Mm -hmm. need to that's healthy to understand both sides that we could we could have conversations. uh, I think it might be helpful for us in this setting. Maybe this will be for another podcast. Let's talk about baptism. Why do we believe in believers' yeah. baptism? And our Presbyterian friends and Methodist friends, they baptize infants. Mm-hmm. Well, can we argue both sides of that biblically? I, yes, I think we can. I right. think, And those kinds of, that is what we need to be able to do. And I think in science, I think what we see is that scientists are in a place where they, they are doing that. They are evaluating both sides of things and actually finding themselves on the side of faith. I, I've actually got another scientist, if you don't mind. What you got? Go this ahead. is the time to say it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I've read now two books of his. His name is Michael Gillen, um, and he uh, was ABC News Science Edition uh, spokesperson. He was the person that, so he was teaching at Harvard at the time, and uh, he taught there for eight years, uh, physics. And um, ABC News uh, had picked up on, I think actually it was NBC that he started with, and he started being their correspondent. ABC then stole him over, and um, he was the guy when there was an earthquake somewhere or a uh, volcano erupted, they would send him to all parts of the earth, and he would speak from a scientific perspective, and he did things like 2020 and all of these different news programs as well. Um, And... Uh, during that time, he was an atheist, and it was actually while he was teaching at Harvard that a student of his and he got into uh, the reading of the Bible. Um, she ended up becoming his wife one day. Wow. Uh, it's a fascinating story. But um, in this book, he, he really kind of tells his story, and he talks a little bit about the science community and about faith in the science community. And he had this chart that I thought was fascinating, um, comparing and contrasting scientific perspective, atheistic perspective, and Christian perspective. And he took these three questions. One, does absolute truth exist? Science and Christianity both say yes. Atheism says no. Are there truths that cannot be proven? Science and Christianity say yes. There are truths that cannot be proven. Atheists would say no. There's mystery, mm-hmm. right? There's a place for mystery. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third question, is the universe designed for life? And again, science and Christianity agree and atheism does not. And he said this is one of the foundational principles that drives scientists 
toward Christian faith and belief, and the very least, at least belief in God or supreme being, uh, because we see there actually is science. There's absolute truth. You know, as you said, if I drop this book, it's going to hit the ground. They can measure exactly how fast that happens based on the weight of that book. There are all of these things that we That was 9.8 meters per second square, by the way. Excellent. That's what I remember from physics class. 32 feet per second square. You're so if you're smart. At, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't remember any of that. Fantastic, Gary, that you remember that. That's about hey, all I remember. Hey, here's That's the thing. I couldn't debate that that was correct or not. So See, No, you win. You win that. Oh, trust you, you got that right. <laughs> Yeah, it, it seems to me that all scientific discovery somehow winds its way back to God. It just, yeah. it, it just seems to more and more it it doesn't disprove; it verifies. Uh, you you talked a minute ago about how uh, I wish it was I, I could remember what you were talking about a minute ago because <laughs> I was like that was such, such a good a point, point, and then you. Dropped your book and I jumped into my physics. About the class three questions. Yes. Was, I, don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, so I, I will say that. Oh, no, I do remember. There was a book called The Privileged Planet. Uh, mm. And it talks about how the universe and everything is fine tuned for human life. Mm. And it's, it's so that the, the earth has a moon that is a quarter of the size of the earth and it is set in exact orbit mm -hmm. uh, so that it, it can be a guardian to other things that are out there it, yes. it controls our tides uh, the earth is on an axis for a reason uh, our earth we're, we're not located in the middle of a solar system we're on one of these extended arms because we're not out there where the sun generating factories and stuff that's what they kind of call them uh, mm -hmm. we're we're placed just perfectly for life on earth can be, uh, can flourish. And I remember something that Louis Giglio did years ago. Uh, I think it was his indescribable uh, tour that he was on. And he talked about this. He said, someone asked him the question once, um, do you believe that there's life out there somewhere? And I, I think his response was, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and the, the guy was like, well, if there's not, don't you think the universe is too big if it's all about us and he said i would think so but let's say for a minute that it's not all about us but all about god and then it seems to be just about the right size oh it's great <laughs> yeah. that's great yeah great response mm -hmm. yeah. wow so i like that uh, i do have a book called god and the astronomers uh by robert jastro and this is i love 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 this quote and it gets back to the idea of all scientific discoveries working their way back to god and it says, for the scientist who has lived by faith and the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He scaled the mountains of ignorance. He's about to conquer the highest peak. And as he pulls himself over the final rock, he's greeted by a band of theologians who've been sitting there for centuries. <laughs> it's just like, it's like all science leads back to what yeah. the theologian already knew. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can really start mm. in the beginning God. And and that's where it starts, and I think that's where it stops. Uh, what else you got? Who else has books? What you got, Bridget? Well, I, you know, as a children's pastor, I love illustrations, obviously, and kids love science. And so I use science a lot in my illustrations to just prove points, which is really excellent. I, I came across this really good 
demonstration uh, that someone was doing online in a YouTube video when I was kind of looking over what we were going to be talking about. The speaker held up a baked cake, and he explained that science and scientists can provide a lot of information about this cake. So a physicist can tell you um, that it gives us the cake's dimensions. It can give us the specifications. A chemist could go... Uh, address the chemical properties of the cake's ingredients. A biologist could tell us about the living organisms that went into making the cake, like the wheat and the egg and the yeast. But no amount of science can tell us who made the cake, why it was made, and its intended purpose. That specific information can only be provided by the person who made the cake, the baker. So scientists can provide a lot of information about this planet, they can tell us a lot of stuff that they have studied, but it's the creator that it always has to come back to. He's the one that has the full knowledge. And that mystery that we've said from time to time today, mm -hmm. there's just a lot of mystery that a lot of us would like to know the answers to, but we really won't know the answers until we're face to face with him. So mm -hmm. I thought that was just a really cool observation, like the cake. And, and a science and God, how they how they kind of took that apart. I thought that was really cool. It's good right. I sometimes wonder, you know, we, we I think we have this idea that, you know, and you just mentioned that uh, we, there's things that we don't know right now. We can't even understand. We get up into heaven. All of a sudden things become crystal clear. Mm -hmm. and, I'm, and I find myself wondering, even then, I mean, are we going to be able to comprehend the things that we don't understand now? Because, like the Trinity. I don't know, even if we're standing right there looking at it, if yeah. we'll be able to say, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling that, no, it's still, because I think God is going to still be that much infinitely more incomprehensible than yeah. we can. Uh, it'll be that much more knowable. Right. But I don't think we'll be able to say, oh, oh, that, that's it. Yeah. Well, and I think once we're there, there's a lot of things we think we really want to know about right now that once we get there, it's just not going to matter. It's, and, and it's, it's interesting that you say like, that because we talked about something like that even in previous episodes, uh, like when we were previously recording, talking about, all right, what happens when you get to heaven? And people always had this thing, oh, I can't wait to get up there because I'm going to get to see so-and-so again, and I'm going to get to do mm -hmm. this, and I'm going to have pizza and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm thinking... Pizza. I, I, that's really, that, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it's, that's student ministry right there. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be the best that's pizza good. Ever. That's good. And so, uh, is there going to be king cake or whatever that stuff is? You know, all these yeah. people That's eat. what you would totally that want. Kinda, and so and it's coffee. like, <laughs> but it's like, I think once you get there, it's going to be all of a sudden, oh, you know what? I don't care about those things anymore. I don't think that would I, matter. I think we're going to have new priority. Well, we're going to have a single new priority. Right. Uh, and then there'll be other things. It's like. And that's everything you just described was earthly stuff. And oh, yeah, none of that absolutely. stuff's going to matter. <laughs> right. We're not going to care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're just going to be experiencing being in the throes and the arms of Jesus. Yeah, I don't all of a sudden, those matter. things that are fully important to God are going to be fully important to us. That's right. And we're going to be completely yeah. on board. Uh, oh, I get it now. Yeah. I get it now. I think that's one of the things as we talk about science and God um, that, that I seem to always gravitate towards having these conversations is ultimately it really does science points us to the mystery that is god and so even as we're talking about heaven for example there's so much that is mystery about it we try to use our physical terms in this existence that we live in to explain it but when it comes down to it really 
most probably it's everything that's unexplainable. And all you have to do is look at the scriptures, definitions and descriptions of it. And you just have the most bizarre descriptions, you know, Mm -hmm. people with, you know, these four creatures with different faces, but eyes all over. What is that exactly? You know, they're covered in (laughs) eyes. I'm sure, you know, as they're writing that, that, they're asking the same question. They're like, I I don't even know how to describe this. Describe it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And so I think that, Science ultimately is leading us down this path that does point to God, but that pointing to God is pointing to mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and man, y'all are doing such a great job of setting me up for the next thing I want to say. <laughs> I mean, y'all are crushing that part of it. So you're helping me out a lot because it goes right back to, I mean, uh, dare we go to the Bible for this conversation where the psalm writer <laughs> we says, we that. dare. The psalm writer says the heavens declare the glory of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea there is that you can look up and go, this didn't just happen. Yeah. Uh, and we go straight to Romans chapter 1, uh, and, and we get to see that when Paul wrote that the, the power of God is evident and is recognizable in creation, even to those who are ignorant of who God is, they still know something of God, and they're going to be judged based on how they responded to that knowledge and revelation they were given, uh, which is all. That's going to be a future podcast discussion uh, at some point, too. Uh, so uh, what else y'all got to say? You got anything else to say before we close this thing out? Well, uh, the only other thing that I had since you brought up the Bible, which we totally needed to talk about, um, but, you know, the the Bible is obviously not trying to prove anything science. Science is not trying to prove anything within the Bible. But there are some some truths in the Bible that could point towards science. Sure. Like in Isaiah, the Bible reveals that the earth is round when it says uh, the circle of the earth. And yet scientists believe for a long time that it was flat and that you could just like fall off the end of it. Um, Job, some people still believe that. that Job 26 talks about the earth being suspended in space. You know, we, Mm -hmm. we know that God suspended the earth over nothing. Like scripture tells us that. Mm -hmm. So there, there are a lot of things that the early scientists might've believed that once they are in scripture, the word's been there for a long time. And so when they're studying about what you just said about like Psalms and the sun and the moon and the earth that they, you, you described how they have a process and how they turn and how they work. Like the Bible told us that that's, that wasn't new information to us, but when they figured it out, it was new information to them. And scientists are like, Oh, this is real. <laughs> but for us, we're like, well, yeah, the Bible told us that right? it's already there. Right. But they, they were able to prove it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think the Bible does give us some some great truth that scientists can prove, but not on everything because it's back to the whole mystery. Right. Yeah. And, and the the good thing about us, us doing this the way we're going to do it is in a minute as I close this out, I'm going to throw a challenge out to the people who are watching that. Hey, if you have any questions or anything about what you just heard. Uh, submit it to this email address and stuff, and we can address those. And we want to keep this thing going. We want to make this an ongoing uh, discussion that answers all these tough questions and stuff. Because people have them, and they're they're stumbling blocks to faith, and they don't necessarily need to be because we serve a reasonable God who has reasonable answers to all these questions. Uh, And so, and I think it is paramount, Paramount, Tantamount is one of those mounts that we (laughs) discuss these things 
and uh, be able to have an answer for those who have these kind of questions. I appreciate y'all uh, yeah. jumping in and participating in this conversation. Anything else before I close this thing out? Just one last word is this. In this conversation, I think that we've sort of had this duality between sort of man and God, this uh, physical creation and God's existence and what is beyond this, the spiritual. And I was reminded this morning in Psalm 115, uh, verse 1, it says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be all of the glory for your unfailing love and faithfulness. And it's just a reminder as we're having any conversation like this that we recognize that it's not to point to us, but everything should point to him and for his glory. Yeah, it's good. It is. Appreciate that. I want to thank Robert and uh, Bridget for joining us uh, for this discussion. If you're new to Dunwoody Baptist Church and would like to know more about us, you can find us at dbc.org. If you have any questions, uh, you can contact me at digitaldbc at dbc.org, uh, which would also be the address where you can submit your own challenging questions or even ask a little bit more about what you just heard. Uh, maybe put that in a future episode. If you're on social media and you found any value in what you heard today, we encourage you to share this link on your media pages. Uh, thank you again for joining us. I'm Gary McIntyre. See you next time. Thank you.